Father, this morning I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing unto you, Lord, who are my rock and my redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. My heart pours out. Good morning. So, um, oh, I wanted to mention this just in case anyone was interested, but uh, tonight, 7 o'clock on Fox 35, I believe, if, I don't know what, depending on what station you have, there's a one-hour documentary on Billy Graham, on, on Billy Graham's life, and it was put together, I think, by his son Franklin. Um, or the family. So anyway, it's supposed to include some never-before-seen footage of his um, ministry and all that. So if you're interested at all, 7 o'clock tonight uh, on Fox. Uh, it's a documentary on Billy Graham's life. So, All right. So if you were a child of the 60s, and I know some of you were, you probably remember a musical group called The Fifth Dimension. Okay, so they had this nice string of hits, including Aquarius, uh, Let the Sunshine In, Wedding Bell Blues, and a number of others. Um, but do you know how they got their name? Well, 
The fifth dimension was first talked about back in the 1920s when a couple of very bright German scientists came up with this theory. And the fifth dimension is actually a mathematical formula. And it's defined as an attempt to unify the four fundamental forces in nature, strong nuclear forces, weak nuclear forces, gravity, and electromagnetism. So the fifth dimension is this mathematical theory. You can't see it, you can't experience it, which basically means it has no relationship whatsoever to your life. But while this theory of the fifth dimension may have um, may just be a theory, it is a very real fact that there are times when our lives feel very much like we're being pulled on from about five different dimensions all at one time, right? Work, family, money, friends, health. There's five right there. I'm sure you can think of others. The point is, if you're being pulled on from a lot of different directions, then you need a multi-dimensional way to pray. Now this weekend we are in part three of our 40 days of prayer series and I want us to look at this idea of praying in five different dimensions. And, and we're really looking at this just as a way to sort of either enhance or invigorate or uh, freshen your prayer life so that you have different ways of approaching prayer, of thinking about prayer. Um, but before we get into this idea of praying in the five dimensions, I want to just review a couple of really important truths. Um, you probably already know these, but it's always helpful, I think, to remind ourselves of them. Um, and these are the fundamental basis of all prayer. Oh, now, how did that get in there? <laughs> That's my granddaughter. How did her picture get in there? She's really cute, though, isn't she? All right. Sorry, that was cheap, but um, I'm a new grandfather, so deal with it. When was it? Uh, 3.52 a.m. on the 28th of February, so Wednesday, Wednesday morning, very early Wednesday morning. Everybody's doing great. Um, now, the number one thing as I was talking about, that is important for us to know is that God is a multidimensional God. All right, and I I say that that's the most important thing, um, and the reason for that is is that your fulfillment in prayer when you pray, and your fruitfulness in prayer, is going to be dependent not on how much you know about prayer, but on how much you know about God. The more you understand God, the better your prayers are going to be, the more effective they'll be, the more fulfilled they'll be, and the more satisfying your prayer life will be. And it starts with the fact that God is a multidimensional God. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, it means he's not one-dimensional, and you can see this in a whole lot of different ways. First is that we see it in God's creation. Romans 1.20 says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse 
for not knowing God. Well, obviously, if you look around, and the God who created a multidimensional world and a multidimensional universe is, by definition, a multidimensional God. And so you can learn an awful lot, as the scripture tells us, just from looking at nature. For instance, we know that God likes variety. That's pretty obvious. Just look at all the different plants and flowers and things and animals and so forth. We know that God is organized. We know that God is creative. We know that God likes diversity. We know that God is powerful. You know, when you look at thunder and lightning and earthquakes and asteroid storms and all the different things you know, that can happen in the world, we know that in the universe that God is creative and he is great and he's powerful. Now to me, it takes more faith not to believe in God than it does to believe in God. To look at the vastness and the variety of the created order is to me evidence that there is a design and a design has to have a designer. You know, some people will say, well, the universe was created with a big bang. Well, that doesn't really bother me. When you've got a big bang, you have to have a big banger. <laughs> Somebody had to light the fuse, so to speak. Have you ever seen the birth of a baby and how that baby comes together from a single cell and then becomes a person? Now, as I mentioned, this past Wednesday, I held in my arms a little 7-pound, 20-inch, perfectly beautiful little human being named Joanna Clare. Now, nine hours before I was holding her, she was fully submersed in fluid in my daughter's womb. And nine months before that, she started out as a single cell, one cell. And all that happened by chance, by trial and error over gazillions of years. I'm sorry, I just do not have enough faith to be an atheist <laughs> and believe that. So we know that God is a multidimensional God because creation shows the complexity that God created. Now there's another way that we see God's multidimensional nature, and that is in Jesus' incarnation. In other words, when God came to earth and became a human being, that's what the incarnation means. And the fact that God can be God and God can come to earth and be human means he's multidimensional. The proof is in the fact of Jesus. And the Bible says about Jesus in Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, do you know anybody else like that? Are you going to be the same forever? You aren't the same now as you were last week. You've lost a few hairs. You've added a few wrinkles. Not naming names. If your conscience is convicting you, then so be it. Point is, you're not the same. What's this saying? It's saying that Jesus is neither bound by space nor time. He's God. He's multidimensional. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, Grace and peace to you from him, Jesus, who is and who was and who is to come. That pretty much includes everything. 
And that certainly isn't describing you or me. Jesus is multidimensional. God the Father is multidimensional. And then we actually see it in the Holy Spirit. We see this in the Holy Spirit's manifestation. In John 3.8, Jesus is talking and he says this, The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so can't, you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Well, what's Jesus saying there? He's saying you can't put the Holy Spirit in a box. You can't control him. It's like the wind. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. You can just hear it. Now, we've certainly heard the wind the last couple of days around here. But you really couldn't see it other than to watch the trees and other things that don't normally take to the air take to the air. There's a lot of stuff flying around at my house. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all multidimensional. Now, this may not be a huge revelation to you. You sort of you understand that. But here's the point in all of this. Because God became multidimensional, oops, we'll stay there. Because God became multidimensional, I'm never alone. I'm never, never, ever alone because God is in every dimension at the same time. He's in the past, he's in the present, he's in the future. He's here, he's there, he's in heaven, he's on earth, he's in the spirit world, he's in your world, he's in my world. Every dimension, all the time. In you, above you, around you. And it's not a bunch of different gods. It's just one God in the person of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now here's what David said in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. We're talking about the omnipresence of God. He's everywhere. He's in all things, the beginning, the end, yesterday, today, tomorrow. God is everywhere, so that means there's no place that you've been, there's no place that you are, and there's no place that you're going to be that God's not already there. Now that's supposed to encourage you. Because you can't go to a place in your future that God is not. So you are never going to be alone. Well, what does all this have to do with prayer? Well, I think it has a lot to do with prayer. Because since God is everywhere, past, present, and future, and he's in every dimension of the world and even the dimensions that we don't know about, because he's everywhere and in every dimension, you can talk to him about every dimension of your life, and he already understands it. All right. So with that as a backdrop, let's explore what it's going to look like or what it would look like to pray in five dimensions. And so the first dimension is this. 
I look backward to the cross. It's good to start your prayers with the cross because that's beginning with gratitude. 1 Peter 1 verses 18 and 19 say this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Do you want to know how much something is worth? Well, it's worth exactly what somebody else is willing to pay for it. You might think you have some valuable possession in your home and you think, well, it's worth this much. Well, let me tell you, I can tell you exactly how much it's worth. It's worth exactly what anybody else is willing to pay for it. That might be this much. That's what it's worth. If nobody's willing to pay for it, then it's not worth this, no matter how much you think it is. How much are you worth? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. God sent his own son. He came to earth to die for us. The son of God became a son of man so that the sons of man could be sons of God. Right now, all of your sins that you've committed, they're all in the past, but so is the cross. It's already been taken care of. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's multidimensional. All of the sins you haven't committed yet are already paid for. That's a big deal. That means that I go into the future knowing that even though I don't want to sin, I know I'm going to, but they've already been paid for on the cross. And Jesus took care of all of it. He solved your problem before you even knew you had a problem. So the first dimension is to look backwards to the cross. Second, I look upward into the face of a loving father. You start by thinking about the cross and then you turn from looking backwards to looking upward right into your heavenly father's face. And as you do this, know that God wants you to see him not as your dictator, not as your boss, not as your supervisor, not as your coach. In Matthew 6, 9, Jesus said, pray like this, our father in heaven. Do you call God Father when you pray? God tells you to. Now how many times do you say now Lord or now God many other terms that you might use? Well here's what I want you to do. This next week every prayer you pray you start with Father. Okay, why? Because it's the term God says he wants to be called. You say, well, my father wasn't a very good father. Your God is not your earthly father, and your earthly father is not your God. God is a perfect father. Caring, close, considerate, consistent, capable, perfect. Every other human father is imperfect. Every woman. 
But God is the perfect loving Father. And he says, I want you to call me Father. If you make only one change in your prayer life and you simply start calling God, not God, not Lord, not Creator, or any other term, but call him Father, I think it will radically change your prayer life. Because what you call somebody sets the tone. We talked about that a little bit last week. And this idea, remember you get the phone call and you don't know who's on the other end? And you're, you see you're not really sure how to approach it? Well, if you start to really relate to God as Father, then that's going to take on a level of intimacy that maybe your prayer life doesn't have now. So I would strongly encourage you to try that. Third, I look inward to Jesus living inside me. All right, you pray looking back to the cross first. You pray looking up into the face of your Father. And then number three, you look inward to the Jesus living inside you. See, when you become a Christian, God puts his spirit, God puts Jesus inside you. Now, since Jesus is in me and the Father in the Spirit, and I know that I'm unconditionally accepted by my Father, then it gives me the freedom to honestly face up to my own faults. In this third dimension of prayer, you acknowledge that there's some stuff in there with Jesus that you don't really like. There's some bad attitudes. There's some secret sin. There's some compulsions. There's some fears. There's some hurtful memories. There's some resentful thoughts. There's more than likely some unforgiveness. So we say, Father, there's, there's this stuff in me, and I don't even know how to clear it all out. So I'm going to ask you to help me do some house cleaning. This is called self-examination. So you do a heart checkup. Examine yourself to see if your faith is real and growing. Test yourself. Remember that Jesus is living in you, unless, of course, you never asked him in. Now let me ask you a question. Is there anybody here besides me who would like to be better than you really are right now? Yeah. It was rhetorical, but thank you for responding. You want to be better. We all want to be better. Well, you can't get better until you face what needs to be challenged and changed. The truth will set you free, but first it makes you miserable. Because the truth that you like the least is the truth about yourself. And so we can't really grow until we're honest. There's no change without trust, and there's no trust without truth. And so first, I have to be honest. As you pray this prayer of, of looking inward, let me give you a tip. Memorize Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, so that on a daily basis you can pray this prayer. Because here's what it says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. 
See, there's this not-so-big secret floating around in Christianity, and that's that God already knows what it is you need to work on. He's not, you know, if you start confessing this stuff to God, he's not going to go, oh my, you did that? He knows all the stuff you need to work on, and he still loves you. But when you start being honest with God, it takes you to this new level of intimacy. Everybody craves intimacy. Whether you know it or not, you do. And they want it, but the only way you really get it is by being willing to open up. And so what you do is you invite God into what you think about you. All right, so number four. So we did a backward look at the cross. I did an upward look at the Father's face. I do an inward look at the Jesus in me. And number four. No, that's number five. I look outward and I ask the Holy Spirit to use me. The most dangerous prayer that you can pray is just two words. Use me. I dare you to pray that prayer and mean it. Because if you get usable, God will wear you out. The world is waiting. Just take that fourth look. You look around and you look at the world around you and you say, Holy Spirit, show me where you want to use me today. So instead of criticizing the world or complaining about the world or judging about the world or whining about the world or God knows blogging about what's wrong with the world, why don't you just pray, Holy Spirit, show me what's wrong and show me how I can make a difference. Use me. Romans 6.13 says this, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, Give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Now, I don't know exactly who I'm supposed to say this to, but somebody here listening, the world is waiting for your contribution. I don't know what it is, but we live in a world that desperately needs your help and the world is waiting for you to contribute. Backwards to the cross, upwards to the Father, inward for examination and to communicate with the Christ in me, and then around me, outwardly, at the world, and go, Lord, where can you use me today? Mother Teresa said this, Not all of us can do great things but we can do small things with great love. So maybe you stop trying to find some significant place to serve and make what you're doing significant because you're pouring your heart into it and God will notice. That's the fourth dimension. The world is waiting for your contribution. The world needs your help. And by the way, the best launching pad is this group right here, your church family. Because they'll give you the support that you need. 
And so finally, there's a fifth dimension, and it's this. I look forward to my future in faith. I've looked at the past, I've looked up, I've looked within, I've looked around, and now, only now, I'm going to look forward. Now is the time to talk to God about your schedule today. Your schedule this week, this month, this year, the next 10 years, your 20-year plan, your life goals. Talk to your Abba, your Daddy, your Papa. This is stuff that God wants you to talk about. Any good parent loves to hear their children talk about their dreams. God wants to hear your plans, your thoughts, your ideas. You talk to your father about the day ahead of you and you say some, something like this. Father God, would you help me prioritize? I've got 19 things that I'm supposed to get done today and I'm not going to get them all done. So help me to prioritize. Show me what matters the most. Father, help me to make the right decisions in the right way. Father, help me to have the energy that I need. Help me to know who I should contact and who's got the wisdom that can help me pull this off. Father, I'm going into a meeting. What should I say? Father, help me to have tough skin and a tender heart. One of the common suggestions for people in personal development is that you should build a personal mastermind council that coaches you in your life. Well, that's not a bad idea. I'm not against that at all, but could I recommend some members of your personal mastermind council? How about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Put them on your mastermind council and you'll make a whole lot fewer mistakes. James 1.5 said this, no, James doesn't say that. James says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Oh, and the other really cool thing about having the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit on your personal mastermind council, they've written this incredible foolproof manual for life that's available in just about any bookstore. And all you have to do is read it. So that's your five-dimensional praying. It's just another way to kind of look at how to pray and how to enhance your prayer life. Now, to conclude this message today, I wanted to have us take communion as a church family. And part of the reason for that is, is that you know, we, we understand that the Lord's Supper is a time to remember. It's a time of remembrance, right? But look at what is contained in that. We look backward as we, as we remember what Jesus did for us. We look upward as we praise God for loving us enough to save us. We look inward as we do a self-examination and confess our sins before God before we come to the table. We look outward at our church family, and we remember that we're to be servants to one another. And we look forward to the day when the sacrifice that this meal represents results in an eternity with God in heaven. Prayer for us in this church is not just a 
We believe it's more than just simply words that you say. We believe that we can, as believers, call upon the same power to heal and to um, re-energize just as the disciples did throughout the book of Acts. And that's how we approach it. All right? We pray expecting that something is going to happen. We try really hard not to be surprised when it does. And so if you have something that you need prayer for, some kind of a physical thing, some kind of a wisdom thing, then seek these folks out and get prayer because God will speak to you through that. And I would offer that if you have never given your life to Jesus, and that is something that based on what you have heard or experienced today, that that is something that you would like to do, then I just would ask that I'm going to just sit right here on the front row and you just come and you sit next to me and I'll pray with you and we'll take care of that right, right here, right now. So, Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this gathering of believers. Father, I just pray your mighty blessing over all of them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. that as they pray this week, that they would do so with a, a new level of intimacy that didn't exist in their prayer time before. That you would begin speaking to them, whether it's through the words of Scripture or through the actions or words of others around them or even directly to them. and that they would be so engaged by this that prayer would simply become just something that is looked forward to each day, spending that time with you. So bless them, protect them, keep them safe as they leave this place and go out to the world around. Let them be instruments of your power and your light. We just give you thanks and praise. And ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.